Coming up on the WAC Podcast, happy holidays. It's our last show of the year. We're going to talk a lot of basketball for you basketball junkies. Drew Spira is going to be in studio with us. He's the Associate Commissioner for Basketball, and we get into all kinds of topics with Drew. We're going to talk MLS draft. We had two players from the WAC selected this week for the MLS. We also had a new coach hired for Grand Canyon and plenty of big wins in hoops. That's all ahead on the WAC Podcast. This WAC Podcast is brought to you by our friends at University Credit Union, the official financial institution partner of the Western Athletic Conference. Well, 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 it's the most magical time of the year. It is the holiday season, our final show of 2023. What a year it's been for the WAC podcast. We've had some incredible guests on. We've covered some massive wins for our conference and just been an overall great year. Our conference continues to ride rise multiple two bid uh, leagues in in multiple sports and it's just been really fun and as we ha- are recording this on Thursday we're going to go for a nice holiday, holiday whack lunch and then break for the holidays of course we'll still be working remotely and uh, you know keeping our institutions involved in everything that we're doing before the new year but uh, you know holiday is here and you know we're both traveling and getting ready to spend some quality time with our families yeah it is kind of funny that we're both going to be traveling and we're only going to be what 50 miles apart goes goes away for christmas break <laughs> Not gonna 30 see minutes from your boss <laughs> uh, heading to uh the panhandle of florida two different spots for for both of us there but yeah, looking forward to a little break, but at the same time, maybe recharge the batteries a little bit. And then we come back. It's going to be sprint time to WAC Vegas. It is. I mean, conference play gets underway that Thursday, January 4th, and then it's just nonstop conference play all the way till March. And of course, we have our other sports, our spring championships that will be getting underway, swimming and diving indoor track and field. And so it's going to be a busy, busy time when we return. So this past week, if you didn't uh, catch it, Commission on Campus debuted, and this is a new initiative we have. Commissioner Brian Thornton goes to a camp. He travels around all the time. So we're we're sitting around. We're like, hey, how can we take advantage of this? Uh, Commissioner Thornton also likes to connect with student athletes. He's a former student athlete himself. He's a former coach, former NCAA administrator, and trying to put it all together. And so our first one's at Utah Valley. He had a chance to talk with Nikki Olanda, their outstanding women's soccer player, uh, Nick Clemens, the uh, thrower, who's going to be uh, competing this year. A couple of really interesting conversations. They get into a lot of different topics. And Commissioner Thornton also has his take on his experience as a student athlete, what's it, what it's like with the NCAA right now, and NIL, all, all these different topics. So if you have a chance, it's on our YouTube page. We go to YouTube slash TV. That's our YouTube page. It's also up on our Facebook, and you can check the links also on X. And uh, I guess we couldn't put a link on Instagram, but there's some clips on there. Yeah, there is a link if you copy it, and you can open it in your web browser. But, yeah, just a really cool thing. I mean, Commissioner Thornton, one of the 
most relatable things about him is he's not that far removed from being a college athlete and he has, still has that perspective of what athletes are going through and it was really cool to listen to him and Nikki Olanda's conversation because she's debating her next steps what is she going to do post-graduation does she want to play professionally Commissioner Thornton played professionally and so he was able to give some unique advice having been through that situation for for an athlete or one of our student athletes that is weighing her options and that that's just the cool thing is he's able to connect with student athletes on another level. And I mean, how many commissioners are out there having an hour plus long conversation with a single student athlete, just trying to get to know them and help them in any way that they can. We always say we work for our student athletes and that's a prime example of just how he's doing that. Yeah. The, the way he connects and and Nick, the, the thrower, it was interesting. It was on a part when we weren't rolling, but and I don't know if it would have made it in the show, but they wear the same size shoe and they're, they're talking about different shoes. You know, he, he's, you know, as you said, not that far removed. I mean, far enough removed that he's a commissioner right. in a division one conference, but also connected enough with student athletes that they can talk about shoes and clothes and travel and families and, and all kinds of different things. And commissioner Thornton was an academic all American, you know, so he's, he he knows a lot about a lot of different topics too. So yeah, I mean he he gave Nick some advice on where to purchase his shoes because he was struggling. They're both the same shoe size. He's like, where do you get your new shoes? Yeah, size so, 16s are hard to find. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so that's pretty exciting. We'll have another one coming out in the new year. Grand Canyon will be the the spot of the next commission on campus. So stay tuned for that. We have a lot of new things rolling out in 2024. A new hashtag that is already under wraps. its way wrap. we, we, we put it back in the box we put it back we we popped it out put it back so a lot of fun things and, and good uh social media content coming next year and we're really excited about pushing that and then the road to wag vegas will be starting up january 4th and then every week after that leading up to wag vegas in march we're gonna have a new psa coming out uh, shortly with that so a lot of things to be excited about with whack basketball in particular but we'll talk more about that in just a second mls draft was this week and that's something used to always be in january and then it moved last year the world cup uh because of the dates uh, they moved it to december and i guess they decided hey let's keep it in december two players from the western athletic conference selected this year UTRGV had midfielder Bryant Farkalon selected. He was a transfer from Houston Christian. He landed on second team all whack at uh, Houston Christian in 2022. Now he was first team all whack this past year. He had five goals, 11 starts. And, and this is interesting because, you know, uh, UTRGV didn't make the WAC men's soccer tournament, but he was such a valuable asset to this team. And also San Jose state who we did see in the tournament, Bo LaRoe was selected. No surprise there. He spent three seasons at San Jose state first team, all whack as a freshman first team, all whack this past year, all region selection. He's just the player that when you talk to head coach, Simon Tobin, he's just an absolute animal. He's, is one of his favorite players to coach. He's a guy that will run through a brick wall for you. And he's got one of the coolest names in the league. I know, Bolero. Can't 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 go wrong with that. So they were both taken in the second round, as you mentioned, with uh, Austin FC selecting uh, Farkalon, and then we had the San Jose Earthquakes, a hometown team, selecting Bolero. So good luck to both of them. Uh, the MLS is kind of a, a weird season in that they they have it this early, the draft. 
I believe they start their training camp in January, and then their season goes all the way through November. Yeah, it is a very interesting season. Start gets underway officially around March, I believe, and then, yeah, it goes all the way to November. So this time usually is just the break time for all those MLS teams. You know, once that last game hits, they're off the grid trying to prepare and get ready for the new season. We also had Grand Canyon make a head coaching change as uh, they brought on George Kiefer as the next head coach, and he's the guy that, ranks 36th among 211 active men's soccer coaches, 211 victories led South Florida and NC state to NCAA tournament appearances. Um, and so he's just going to be a really valuable asset as you know, grand Canyon looks to bounce back from not making the tournament this past year as they're typically a perennial powerhouse. And they'll be hosting the, the WAC men's soccer tournament next year as well. So yeah, not, uh, very unusual for them not to qualify for the WAC tournament. So they do bring in Coach Kiefer, and he's got a couple of uh, Division II national championships uh, under his belt, as well as a lot of experience in the Power Five realm. Uh, a couple of quotes were from Mike Noonan, the head coach at Clemson, who won the national championship this year, talking about how Coach Kiefer will be an outstanding leader for Grand Canyon. So a uh, very well-respected name in men's soccer. So I'm sure GCU is uh, delighted to have him now leading the Lopes going into next season. Absolutely. And we had some award winners as well. California Baptist's Nolan Premack was honored by the College Sports Communicators as being a 2023 academic All-America second team in Division One. Now I've covered Nolan Premack for the last two years. And, and one, he's a phenomenal goalkeeper. He was the reason that the... Uh, Lancers punched their ticket last year. He made that exciting PK save. And then this year he does it again. Does it, it doesn't go into uh, PKs this year, but it actually did in the first round of the NCAA tournament. And he made a phenomenal save. But the story behind Nolan Premack is unlike any other 4.0 uh, pre-med major. He, had, he wants to be an orthopedic surgeon. He had double hip surgery when he was a player. And I think that influenced, you know, where he wanted his career to go post soccer and so really exciting for a guy that you know really goes to work on the soccer pitch and gets it done in the classroom he's got a bright future ahead yeah i was talking to tony jones our uh, men's soccer uh, media contact and about the draft and you know nolan premack and of course the success he had as a player and the fact that he didn't get drafted but i think a lot of those factors that you just mentioned i mean when you're going into pre-med you got a pretty good uh, gig going there. So uh, congratulations to him on an outstanding career and being named uh, academic All-American. Uh, Grand Canyon's Gianna Gorley and Utah Valley's Sydney Bushman also named academic All-America in Division One by the College Sports Communicators. Gianna Gorley, of course, was the uh, WAC Player of the Year. Uh, she was also uh, academic first team in this. 3.92 GPA uh, while pursuing an MBA. When we talked to Chris Sissel, the uh, head women's soccer coach, he believes that she uh, does have a future in the NWSL, and that draft will be coming up in January. Yeah, certainly looking like a, a Marlene Shimmer type of pick. She went last year for Grand Canyon in the first round. And, uh, you know, Gianna Gorley has so many of those same qualities and is such a lethal uh, weapon that any team would be lucky to have on their squad she knows how to get it done she's got savvy footwork and she's just unbeatable in front of net 
So we're going to talk a lot of basketball with Drew Spira, but wanted to hit on a, a couple of games before we, we get to him. Uh, UT Arlington winning a big game over Air Force of the Mountain West. That game was played at Dickey's Arena as part of a uh, kind of a festival with uh, several other Division One games there. Uh, CBU beating UC Riverside. If you've been to Riverside, you know that's their their big rival. That's where California Baptist is. UC Riverside just a few miles away. So anytime they beat uh, the Highlanders, they uh, love that. ACU beating UTEP. That was that's one you know kind of a a rivalry game, if you will, uh, but also part of the conference USA scheduling alliance. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk a little bit more with Drew in our next segment because he was actually at that game. But that was Abilene Christian's head coach, Brett Tanner, playing against UTEP's head coach, Joe Golding. Joe Golding used to be the head coach at ACU. Brett Tanner worked under him. And so pretty emotional as Abilene Christian gets that win. And, uh, you know, that was a lot of same players that, you know, played in their NCAA Cinderella story tournament run. They brought some of those players back. Some of them are still on the squad. Um, and so just a really cool overall, you know, game that wouldn't have happened without this WAC CUSA Alliance. Seattle U uh, played Washington to double overtime, unfortunately came out on the uh, on the bad end of that. But then they bounced back, beat Louisiana Tech in overtime uh, last night. Yeah, no, that was a, a great matchup there as I just lost my sheet. <laughs> I'll continue then. Uh, Stephen F. Austin okay. beating New Mexico State, of course, uh, member of the WAC for a number of years and, uh, you know, traditionally a very good men's basketball team. So good win for SFA. And then GCU also handling Sam Houston, who was one of our top teams, I believe the top seed in last year's WAC tournament. Yeah, the past two years, I believe that they've been really close to the top and in our semifinals, Grand Canyon's Gabe McLaughlin picks up back-to-back Player of the Week honors. He um, you know, had a double-double in three starts for the Lope, 26 points, 11 rebounds over Portland when they won that, and then had 10, uh, had a season-high 10 field goals and assists, a block shot, and a steal. I mean, he's just packing the stat line and he's also a great guy to get a chance to speak with you go over to our instagram we had a live with him it's now posted archived on our instagram page after they beat san diego state so he's just a guy that's been around for a long time and is is just you know it's hard not to like him and uh had a chance to to watch that game against sam houston uh javon blackshire jr making his home he's back he's back not quite i mean he, he He's not getting, you know, I think he played 10 minutes. I don't know if he got a, a field goal in that one, but good to see him back on the floor. But, you know, Ty and Grant Foster, Ray Harrison, Gabe McLaughlin, you know, they're, they're, they're loaded and they, they look to be uh, one of the teams to beat in the WAC definitely for the remainder of the year. Our newcomer of the week brought to you by Ticket Smarter, Philip Russell of UT Arlington. His debut as a, a member of the Mavs. He scores 28 points in nine of 17 shooting in that win over Air Force at Dickey's Arena. What a way to make your debut. UT Arlington, a team that, you know, is under new head coach this year, KT Turner. Weren't really sure what to expect from this squad this early on. You know, it's really hard when you have a roster overhaul and, and to go from the wins that they had last year to to now. And they're five and five and they're looking or six and four, excuse me. They're on a two-game win streak, and and they're a team that you know is is pushing that upper part of our bracket. 
On the women's side, we saw Grand Canyon defeat Idaho on another buzzer beater by Nadia Evans. My goodness, ice in her veins. And in the notes done by uh, Jess Radford, she uh, she took my Nadia or nice. Oh yes, holiday. She should have put in parentheses very small. Courtesy Eric Danner. <laughs> Whack. But another big win for GCU. I mean. Uh, to win on the road at, uh, at you know at the buzzer, and they were the team picked to win women's basketball this year. So uh, they are living up to those expectations. Utah Tech takes down Oregon. Uh, this was one of our whacked, one of our oh thing, yeah uh, interstitials that we have the the graphic, uh, and then Utah Tech also hosted Oklahoma State. Talk about uh, scheduling scheduling up, if you will, uh, beating Oregon and then playing Oklahoma State didn't didn't beat them, but a couple tough games at home. Yeah, when we talked to J.D. Gustin, head coach of the Trailblazers, you know, last year he spilled at media day that their goal was to win a game in the WAC tournament. And you know what? They went to WAC Vegas. They did just that. This year I asked him what his goals were. And he said, you know what? We're going to keep those in-house, but we have big, big goals this season. I got to imagine that based on the schedule, getting a win this week uh, between both of those quality opponents had to be one of them. That's just a great win. And, you know, Emily Isaacson, who was also at Media Day, is out with a season-ending injury. She's done for the year, um, and the team is still finding ways to distribute the ball, get other players involved. Warren's sisters are back from last year after both of them tore their ACL. Um, and so that's really exciting to be able to see, you know, this team kind of produce some high-quality wins. Our Ticket Smarter Women's Player of the Week goes to Jacoria Long from Tarleton. She scores 34 points in a win over McNeese State, 88-64 on the road. So she is also the newcomer of the week. So Tarleton getting a, a big win there on the road. Certainly. And Jacoria Long is a transfer from Blinn College, a JUCO school that is known for, you know, getting athletes ready to play at that next level. And we're certainly seeing that with Jacoria Long. And, you know, they're under new leadership over there as well with the women's basketball. And so... Pretty exciting, uh, you know, as you just look at the standings for WAC women's basketball this early on. A lot of parity, a lot of close contests. California Baptist really jumping out with that 9-1 and one record. They had eight-game win streak, and, you know, then Grand Canyon, Stephen F. Austin, and, of course, Utah Tech, like we just mentioned. Yeah, Bill Brock, the new head coach at Tarleton this year, but, of course, he has a 40-year coaching resume, was at Baylor, a number of other schools, and, and uh, has – Tarleton getting a real big win there. It'd be interesting to see how they uh, come together the uh, second half of the year as we start conference play back up on January 4th. I can't even believe it. We're going to come back from the holidays and it is going to be full throttle, full speed ahead. And we're going to come back from the break. When we come back, it'll be Drew Spira in the studio. You're listening to the WAC Podcast. Down, down, down. Welcome back to the WAC Podcast. Eric Danner, Kendra Sheehan, now joined by Drew Spira, our Associate Commissioner for Basketball. And we're heading into the break, Drew, and you've watched a lot of basketball recently. We'll get more into that in just a minute. But as far as 35,000-foot view of, of how the basketball season is going, I know this is a very broad question to start with. 
How how is your assessment of how the basketball season's going, starting on the men's side? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we've had some some triumphs on the men's side for sure. We've had uh, obviously Grand Canyon's kind of jumped out and been really really good and have signature wins. The San Diego State at home, you know, at Liberty, uh, the San Francisco and, and Phoenix and their MTE. Uh, played a pretty good schedule so far and have been able to be pretty successful. Um, you know, we have some other triumphs as well. I mean, just last night, Seattle um, taking down La Tech, who, you know, on paper is a really, really good team. And it ends up being a quadrant two victory, which is which is good come tournament time um, and helping build their resumes. And so we've also had great successes with teams like Stephen F. Austin and their MT early, you know, getting win versus Drake. What uh, was very good for them. Uh, Abilene Christian at Oklahoma State. So, I mean, we've had very good wins here and there and throughout the uh, the non-conference. And so I think we're setting up well. Obviously, we've sprinkled in a couple of conference games there, which has added a unique uh, aspect to what we've done so far. And um, but, but early on, you know, I think we're seeing some good basketball overall. We've seen some ups and downs in some of the teams and looking forward to seeing how the rest of this year finishes off and really jumping into that conference play. And I think we'll have some good parity there. Let me follow up on that. You mentioned quadrant two victory and, uh, you know, people into basketball are, are well aware of quadrant one, two, three, four. Can you kind of explain a little more how that's figured out? What, what's a, what's a quadrant two win and what would that mean for a team like Seattle U beating Louisiana tech? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the committee really takes on into account quadrant one, quadrant two victories as really strong victories in, in the non-conference any, anytime during the year. But, uh, it, it's calculated really differently, and there, it takes into account whether you're home, a neutral site, or on the road. Um, in Seattle's case last night, they were able to beat uh, a, a La Tech team that was in the 60s, so they were top 75. So anywhere between um, – uh, actually, top 75 ends up being a quad one win for them on the road – or at home, it's 75 and below is a quad one win. On the road, 75 and below is a – or quad one win, excuse me, quad – two win at home and a quad one win on the road. And so it's really calculated differently. If you play on a team on the road uh, in the top 75, it's quad one in the top 135, 76 to 135 is quad two. Uh, And at home, you know, we play a team one through 30 is quad one and uh, 31 through 75 is quad two. So you really kind of fitting into those boats there. It's a little bit different on neutral site, you know, top 50 is a, is a quad one win on a neutral and, uh, 51 through 100 is quad two. So we've seen a couple of those great, great games happen so far. Grand Canyon ends up getting San Diego State, who's top 30 at home. That's quadrant one. They get San Francisco, who's top 50 on a neutral site. That's quadrant one. They get uh, Liberty, who's who's top 75 on on the road. That ends up being quadrant one. And so mm. you really kind of put those, the you know, the way it's it, it's a sliding scale kind of of where the game is located. Uh, but those take into the, the committee takes those into account a great deal at the end. And as we get to the end of March and we heard, start he- hearing the bubble talk and and where our teams sit, you hear that a lot. You know, what are their records in the quadrant one, quadrant two range? Um, you know, w- they take those as those quality wins um, and then kind of measure them against, you know, what they would consider to be four losses, which would be in your quadrant three and quadrant four range. Um, and so really you're trying to, you know, gather as many of these quadrant one, quadrant two wins as you can and avoid as many of those quadrant three, quadrant four losses as you can. Uh, and so that, that really helps you really bid that, build that resume. You know, it's year two of the WAC resume seating system. And the goal of that was to put our teams in the best possible position to potentially be a two-bid league and get somebody in as we kind of build our resume with the, the entire body of work that the NCAA 
committee looks at and you know you see teams like Grand Canyon who, who have jumped to as high as 50 depending on the the net or Ken Palm rankings even higher with year two of the WAC resume seating system from your perspective how have you watched our teams just embrace that aspect knowing that that's what's going to take to get that high seed in to come WAC Vegas and help raise and elevate the conference basketball as a whole as we keep climbing in those rankings yeah we i think you see that you know in the standings now obviously the team that's that's built a really strong resume as we've mentioned before they've got three quad one wins you know grand canyon on the men's side and that and that kind of sits them where they're at i think it makes the teams think about uh you know getting those quad one wins or quad two wins it's really going to project them further in that seating system and and really trying to avoid those losses which kind of knock you back a great deal and so Obviously, they've they've embraced it to it, you know, to what they're trying to do in a scheduling standpoint. Um, it puts a different emphasis on all these non-conference games as you're trying to learn and build your team. Um, but they all have great value, you know. A, a, a game like Seattle last night, um, yeah, has great value on on where they line up, and they're going to get rewarded for that win when it comes, you know, seating system time and, and as they build. So, yeah, I think it, it makes them think about who they're scheduling um, and makes them put some emphasis on every single game they play in the non-conference. Um, and, and you kind of feel that as we get going. And so it also kind of puts teams in, you know, kind of in order of, hey, this is who they've played so far. This is how well they've done so far. Doesn't necessarily, you know, it's not a final product right now. We have a lot of games left to play. There's a lot of conference games. The conference aspect of, the seating system still is two thirds of the games, right? There's 20 games in conference. You know, you're going to play 11 other games max, uh, you know, so you have 31 games total. Uh, so it's really two thirds of the work still. So the non-conference plays a good portion of it. You should get rewarded for some of those games that you win, especially the really valuable ones. Um, but then, you know, we're looking to conference play and that's really, really where it's, we're going to get decided. You mentioned uh, the Louisiana tech win and the Liberty win. Yeah, that's part of the conference USA initiative. Uh, that uh, was put forward this year and and what was the idea behind that and uh, obviously those two wins bode well for the league but uh, as far as what uh, what are we hoping to accomplish as a league and and do you see that working pretty well right now yeah it's it's worked out very well for the men's side so far you they've done we've we've had some good success you know when you look at all of the games every single one of them sans one has been down to the wire close games uh you know uh, Actually, a couple of them, I'd say. We've won one that, that was out of hand. We probably lost one that was a little bit out of, out of hand. Uh, but the rest of them have been really close down the wire. Overtime games, buzzer beaters, you know, all those type of things. It, we've created good non-conference basketball. And and that's really what the, the emphasis of was. It was we're trying to get games that are valuable, that are quality, uh, that help our team schedule. Scheduling is, is one of those things that many people – uh, around the country don't understand how difficult it is. Uh, you know, there's really nobody who has uh, a hand in it other than the coaches, maybe some administrators. And so you're trying to, you know, find people to agree to play on dates and to agree on locations that you want to play in um, or in a, in maybe a cadence that you're trying to get uh, that you feel is good for your team going forward. And so a lot of times it becomes difficult just because, Hey, there's a lot of different factors that get built into it. And so, for our standpoint, agreement with Conference USA and really saying we're going to hold these two dates. We're going to give every team one home, one way game, and it, and it really helps them, you know, solidify. Hey, these are two other non-conference games that we don't have to go out there, locate, negotiate, 
figure out, you know, what this looks like from a financial standpoint, from a travel standpoint, et cetera, they've already can earmark these games in. Hey, listen, I know that, you know, on this date, I'm going to have a road game potentially on this gate. I'm going to have a home game potentially. And we know they're going to be pretty good quality, right? It's going to be a game that, that uh, is, is it, that's going to go down to the wire. It's going to help us build, you know, our program. It's going to help get people in our building that maybe necessarily have never been there before. Um, you know, I, I can't speak on it hundred percent, but, um, uh, when was the last time that Western Kentucky was at Cal Baptist or, or uh, Seattle had La Tech in their building or, you know, any of those type of matchups, uh, Utah Valley has Liberty in their building. Um, so we're getting basketball in, in different, you know, people from different regions that maybe don't necessarily agree to play all the time, um, play these games and, and that have become valuable and, and have become good basketball games. You know, I think that that's something too, is we're providing a good product. Um, you know, for fan bases, for TV, for broadcasts, uh, obviously building resumes, we've been able to to put together, uh, you know, multiple quad one, quad two opportunities for the teams that maybe necessarily weren't getting built before. And uh, so it's been good. I think hopefully it's fruitful for both sides. Um, I think that that's pretty evident at the moment how close that the matchups have been. Um, you know, we really have teams that are that are on a, on the same level playing each other. Conference play ramps back up on January 4th in the new year and something different we've done this year is have those two conference games in November and I've talked to a handful of coaches so far who really like it you know it changes the way they have to approach the season and I've never gotten to ask you about you know as as a former player you know what do you think it would be like for you to to step into end of November and know that you have two conference matchups that potentially are going to play a big role when you're looking at the entire season yeah yeah I think when you look at it that way you you have some games that hey all of a sudden we're going to see a familiar foe that we're we're playing all the time hey they get to get excited hey I understand that team sometimes in non-conference just depending on where you are again we just talked about teams that you don't necessarily play all the time you don't always know the caliber of the opponent you're playing you know whether or not you're you're up for this game or not, sometimes coaching wise, you're trying to fix, trying to tell a team, hey, this is a really good program. They're maybe from out of region, maybe a team that you don't see on TV every night, uh, or it's a team that you're not familiar with that's coming in. Sometimes the motivation becomes more difficult. I think in a conference matchup, it's built-in motivation, right? You you see these teams, you know, multiple times a year. You're going to see them twice. You're going to see them in Vegas. You're playing against them. You're seeing them in your standings as you're moving up. You're moving down. And, and those games, like you mentioned, do have a great deal of meaning. And so I think that that part of it really gets you up for that that early part of the season. I thought we saw competitive matchups. Um, we saw some some, you know, maybe upsets. We saw some road victories. We saw some some home, you know, good home victories. I think um, you know, so it's it's good. I think it gives us an early taste. Uh, you know, I think the, the biggest part and maybe we'll talk about it a little bit later, but what it does to your your schedule after Christmas is really what it does. And so by us moving those two games early kind of gives teams a little bit of a break post Christmas as opposed to throwing you right into that fire on maybe December 27th or 28th where that's difficult you know the NCAA mandates they got to have three days minimum off for Christmas time and so you're sending them home most times you're not you're, you're letting them have Christmas at home or you're flying them home on Christmas practicing on Christmas night 
And especially if you're playing on the 27th or 28th, you have to do that. You have to be there. You have to practice on Christmas. You have to practice on the 26th. And then maybe you're either traveling on the Twix, 26th or the 27th to get where you're going. And so by us moving those games earlier, it really kind of re relieved that pressure a little bit right after, gave teams back a little bit of decision-making on how do they want to handle that post-Christmas time? Do they want to play a game on the 27th or 28th? Or would they rather take a longer gear up and play the game on the 30th or the, you know, the 31st or the first, uh, we have teams playing, you know, non-conference games and all in that, that range. And then we can kick back on, on whack conference play on January 4th or, you know, with that Thursday and we get started. And so I think all that kind of factors into it. I think it, it creates, creates a different dynamic. Um, but yeah, I'm curious to see, talk to some coaches, like you mentioned, you know, I think some of them before were, intrigued by the opportunity other ones are hesitant by the opportunity just because of preparation you know your teams are different in early november than they are in january and that's just that's just part of it um but i think it's a trend that we see across the country with several other conferences playing games um earlier uh in that pre that pre uh christmas time um and i think it's probably something we see going further as these conferences kind of add to the number of games they play uh, and trying to fitting into the calendar. This is actually a long calendar year. And we're about to about in, in two years or so play a short calendar year. And then that that's going to compress the schedule a little bit more. Um, and it probably is going to um, lead to more of these happening around the country. So we had Wayne Lord on the show last week and Kendra talked to him. And he, he mentioned he really liked that schedule because a place like Edinburgh can be hard to to find a quality division one team to come down and, and having, that opportunity to schedule those conference USA games within that, you know, basically month of December, but getting back to your point about Christmas and the holiday season, having that mandatory break and this really fitting in better. You you've been around basketball your whole life, player coach, now administrator, as far as what do teams do now? I mean, we're going to be heading out for a few days. Uh, that's got to be tough as a coach, maybe as a player, because you got this time off, but then right around the corner is conference basketball. Yeah, it's it's a unique time of year uh, when you're a basketball coach. Really, from the time or when you're a player, even from the from the moment you're done with finals, you have all that break. It's usually about a month of no students on campus. Uh, you know, very few people. The, the campus is much more mellow. You know, you play home games and maybe your crowds are a little bit lacking because you don't have the students or because people are traveling for Christmas or holiday season, et cetera. And so you're really in this time period where you have to, you, you really get closer as a unit. You, you take more time, you have more practices, you may have shoot arounds, you have more meals together. There's just nothing else on your plate except basketball. And so that's really what that this this time of year is about. And a lot of coaches look at it as this is our really good opportunity to grow as a unit, whether that's getting closer um, together off the court, whether that's um, putting in new offenses or defenses, preparing for the for the the long haul, like you mentioned, of conference play, uh, whether that's individual improvement and taking extra time out because we have so much time. During the day now, you don't have classes in the morning and study halls and all those other items that were on your player schedules before, they're not there. And so, hey, maybe that's a that's a shooting workout in the morning. That's a weights right after that. Maybe it's a break for lunch. Maybe it's coming back, you know, getting in offense and defensive work and kind of spending more time together. Uh, so that's really that time. And then you kind of hit this period now where 
You know, we have some teams that played last night even that are done for before Chris. They don't they don't play another game before Christmas, so their their players are probably going home. They're probably spending some time with family, which is much earned and much deserved. Um, and, and kind of you know taking a, a beat, getting away for a second, and then they're like I mentioned before, a lot of people are going to come back right after Christmas, and then you got to build it back up. You know, everybody's kind of been home. They had four or five days, maybe uh, they, they maybe ate some good Christmas food, some good meals, etc. Maybe they weren't running as much as they were. They got to get back in shape. And so then it's kind of this, hey, we got to gear it back up, depending on what your post-Christmas schedule looks like. If you have an early game, like I mentioned, maybe it's a little bit more prep right away. If you have a later game, maybe it's, hey, it's two days of of more like a preseason early on practice where you're you're working on getting your conditioning back. You're working on, you know, getting drills, getting rhythm, all those things. And and then, like, you, we're going to roll right into conference play, and you still probably have that two or three weeks of early conference play where there isn't any students and, and, and there isn't anybody on campus still. And so you're kind of still in that mode um, as you prepare. So it's a unique time when you're on a staff, when you're a player, when you're a coach. Um, and in the outside, you know, doesn't doesn't necessarily understand that 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 you know, hey, just because students aren't around, et cetera, like these 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 individuals are working hard. Um, they're putting a lot of time in during this period. You mentioned Lane Lord. He's going to Jamaica for a few days and getting some much needed rest. He said he was really excited about that before he gets back to to focusing on conference play. And you yourself have gotten to go to a few of these schools and see some quality whack basketball in person this year. Abilene Christian at UTEP. I know that was a highlight game because Brett Tanner, head coach of Abilene Christian, was facing off against his old coach, Joe Golding, who also coached Abilene Christian. And it was just supposed to be emotional night all around from your perspective. What was that type of a game to see Abilene Christian, you know, come out on top, but also, you know, the, the familiar faces reuniting in that gym. Yeah, it was, it was great. We were there. I went with commissioner Thornton. We were, we went to a couple of games this week and, and obviously that was one that you look at, Hey, this is, this is not only one that, that we've put on the schedule from our conference USA initiative, but it's also one that had a great storyline like you mentioned and I thought Abilene did a great job of um, bringing back players from their their NCAA tournament run when they beat Texas they had a lot of guys there they did a recognition pr- prior to the game with coach Golding and coach Tanner and all the other folks there's actually quite a few other uh, staff members on either staff that were a part of it that have kind of you know obviously gone their separate ways at this moment and um, you know the thing about coach Tanner coach Golding is they're good friends they've been together for a long time and so a game like that you know, they're getting up for each other, but they're also similar in what they do. The game was very similar as, you know, they're, they're both trying to play similar styles. It was very back and forth. Um, and, and obviously Abilene comes out on top and it was, it was a good, good moment for them. Obviously it's a good win, um, playing a team like UTEP who, again, another one that's probably, I don't even know if has ever been in that, in their building. Um, and obviously they have a great building there. And then there was, I thought the community was there and they did a good job of, of, uh, supporting that game. And so, uh, but yeah, it was exciting seeing that one. And then we were able to see, like you mentioned, a couple other games this week, which has been good. Uh, we were at Tarleton on Monday and we were at Stephen F. Austin on Tuesday. So, um, you know, a lot of good basketball this week and even last night and hopefully, uh, you know, tonight and the next couple of nights while we have games. And then we'll take that little break until we we see them after Christmas. Yeah, we did see Grand Canyon uh, beat Sam Houston last night as well. And Drew, uh, when you're putting these these pairings together, that the last year's records were were a factor as well. It wasn't just the nilly willy nilly about putting teams together. There was there was some strategy behind it. Correct. We worked with uh, Ken 
Kevin Palga, who who does you know, a lot of work with scheduling around the country, and you know the Conference USA's office, my counterpart there, and then ourselves, we you know we kind of come up with a you know a, a formula that was trying to um, you know keep keep teams that from previous year net were were similar you know similar uh, playing field you know as far as if you were the best team in net you know you probably end up playing one of the teams that was high in net the year before, and I think we saw that kind of early on with. Um, Liberty and Grand Canyon, who were high who, who high level net teams last year, even Sam Houston, Grand Canyon, both, you know, Sam Houston was one of our highest net teams last year when they were in our league. And obviously Grand Canyon was up there as well, um, you know, from our standpoint. So, you know, that was really the the genesis of it. You know, we, we kind of came to it um, a little bit differently this year, as we will probably next year going into it. You know, I think we're looking at much more of a, you know, one verse one, two verse two type the, down the line. Um, and, you know, we have a little bit more, uh, hard lines date set where these dates were kind of all over the place, depending on some teams who already had some games on their schedule and that kind of thing. So we had to be a little bit flexible working in the schedule there, but um, yeah, going forward, it is, it's really dependent on, you know, how you do this year and, you know, earning those games, you know, at that level that you would get uh, for next year. So that's, that's really what we're doing to take into account. You know, we've had some big wins on the men's side, some signature wins. And on the women's side, we've also seen some some great wins. Grand Canyon taking down Arizona State, Southern Utah, last year's tournament champs beat New Mexico. From your lens on the women's side, what have you noticed via California Baptist that started 8-0 and on, on an you know, eight-game win streak and really looked good early on? You know, as we look at the standings and they'll continue to fluctuate as we go into conference play, what kind of stands out to you? Well, I think that what you just mentioned is is right on. We I mean, we had Cal Baptist come out the gates hot, you know, winning eight in a row. They're nine to one now. Um, you know, I think that they've done a tremendous job in the early season. You know, obviously, I think that they had some great turnover from last year. And so coach has done a great job of, of getting this group together. And I think that that's kind of the the theme of of the, the, the new age of college basketball, we'll call it right. You have constant turnover and you're going to have to get your team you know on the same page quickly but uh to your point too grand canyon obviously winning at arizona state they've had some other pretty good wins they were on the road um they've won some road games they've won some some good home games and so i think that they're obviously in position i think they're eight and three now um uh, and, and then we even had uh utah tech take down oregon the other night obviously they 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 did a great job scheduling and had uh, a tournament where they had oregon and oklahoma state in their building this week uh, and I think that that's great. I think that's great notoriety. I think it's great for them. I was down there and actually saw a game early um, that they played. And so, you know, obviously they, they've, they've done a good job as well. And Stephen F. Austin has, has put together some good wins. And so I think, you know, there's, there's been some good, some good moments on the women's side as well. Um, you know, I think that there's, uh, again, there's a lot of turnover still. We have some, we have new coaches, a lot more new coaches on that side. We have new teams, you know, a lot of turnover. And so I think that there, we're still building and we're still, uh, could see a lot of parity as we get into the whack play. Well, hey, Drew, I want to thank you for taking some time out. Uh, a lot of good information there. If you're a basketball junkie, we'll, we'll push this out. That, that's, uh, I'm learning a lot as we're doing right. the podcast here today. So that's Drew Spira, our Associate Commissioner for Basketball, and we want to thank everybody for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACSports.com. Come